Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. So listen, guys, I'm not going to change what we're doing here over this stretch, but the Steph Curry stuff has put me in a has put me in a very sour mood. A very sour mood. I know we still need to do streaming, and we will. That's the second half of all of our shows right now. But if that... If that's the thing that decides your league, I don't know how you don't switch to Roto. And it's this every year. Every year. Jimmy Butler, out this week probably deciding some head-to-head playoffs. Steph Curry rolled up on, sprained ligament in his foot thanks to a Marcus Smart dive. I mean, they're going to put it on Marcus Smart, but like it's just these things happen in the NBA. And it's, to me, it's nuts that an injury at this exact moment can wipe out everything you've done in your league, for 21 weeks. It's crazy. Here's a, here's a, listen, this is, so this is what I'm talking about. Steph Curry, as a wonderful example right now, has had, by all accounts, a very healthy season. He's played 64 of his teams, I think they've played 70 games so far. He's number three by totals. In Roto, everything that he's done this year, a fantastic season, again, What's he at on a per-game basis? Five, six, something like that, mid-first round? Everything he's done this season is in your bucket. It's in your cash register already. It doesn't matter that he's not going to play the rest of this regular season. I mean, it's not good for your Roto team. You're going to take a slight hit in three-pointers, but like, what's done is done there. All of his good stuff is in. Head-to-head, all of his good stuff wiped out in the blink of an eye. How are you? you your team... Even if you survive this week, you're looking at next week. Warriors have a five-game and seven stretch coming up starting on Tuesday. You are counting on four games out of Steph to get through next week. If he's out for your team, I have no idea how you survive that in the head-to-head playoffs. Maybe like, what, 2 to 5% of teams that have Steph can advance past next week? This week, maybe, since they only had one game left anyway. But he basically missed the game yesterday. He played, what, first quarter and a half? Didn't do much, then was done. Cool, man. So this is my beef. There are a lot of very good players in the NBA that are going to end this season with whatever Steph's at. 64 games played. But somehow those other ones are less impactful uh, because they missed them in the middle of the season instead of the very end. I just, I hate this element of head-to-head leaks. I absolutely hate it. You can work so hard. And you can do all the stuff we've been talking about, streaming like a crazy person right now to get a huge games advantage, all of that stuff. Poof. In a cloud of smoke. In a cloud of smoke. But whatever, we're gonna we'll keep going uh, because not everybody has Steph. Only one out of the twelve teams in every league does. So this is impacting about what seven eight percent of leagues at the moment. Um, but man, that sucks. 
if you're in the playoffs and you have Steph, you're you're probably cooked. Sorry. That's just the way it works. If you're in a roto league, you have Steph. Hey, guess what? We'll figure this out. Let's move through the Wednesday card pretty quickly. Uh, more The streaming side, I think, actually has the bigger pieces of the puzzle here. Um, we talked Steph already, so we might as well just talk about that ball game, and then we'll roll back to the beginning of the, the Wednesday evening slate. Uh, no real news on the Celtics side. Everything, everything stays the same in terms of valuation. Horford just had a down ball game. He'll be fine. Uh, Warriors side, Andrew Wiggins was out. So we got to see a ton of Jordan Poole here, and that's going to be the case going forward. It's going to be a lot of Poole, a lot of Klay Thompson, a lot of Andrew Wiggins, and uh, those guys will pick up Steph's big old chunk of shots. Gary Payton sounds like he's due back on the weekend. They've got a game, like we said, they just have one more this week over the weekend. Um, I'm not adding him until I see what's going on in any format, head-to-head or roto. Although I will say... If you grab Gary Payton and he actually does come back over the weekend and you can ride him into that five games and seven days stretch, that's probably good enough. A lot of guys become worthwhile in a five-game week, effectively, even if that stretches over two different scoring periods, provided your league goes that far. That's you know the caveat on all of this stuff. I mean, basically anybody on the Warriors playing 20-some-odd minutes, if you give them five games in seven days, you just think about it from a minutes standpoint. Somebody playing 22 minutes, five games of that is 110 minutes in a week. That's big. That's like a starter-level guy having like four games in that week, pretty much. Pretty close to it. So, Kavon Looney would obviously be a stream in there. Uh, Draymond, even with his minutes cap, would be a go. If Otto Porter really does play 24 minutes, he would be a go. Jonathan Kaminga probably becomes one. But we'll, we'll address that, I guess, more early next week when we talk about that that Tuesday start for them. And by then, we'll have the Saturday game under our belt. We can kind of look at what happened with, like, Gary Payton and anybody else and who actually does make the cut. Spinning it back around to the front of the evening, Danilo Gallinari hurt his bicep and left halfway through. He's questionable for the next ballgame. DeAndre Hunter just gets a whole bunch of workload if both Gallo and John Collins are out, which is kind of what it looks like it might be. Anytime Gallo's questionable, I assume he's not playing. On the Charlotte side, no big surprises. Montrez Harrell had, had a better ball game after having kind of a couple of down ones. Uh, Charlotte, I believe, also has a really good schedule coming up. Mm, yeah, just four-gamer next week. So nothing over-the-top special, but you know he might push back onto the radar a little bit. Not targeting him in a reason. Philly at Cleveland. Tobias Harris bounced back. He was better, did foul out in 39 minutes here. But good to see him kind of getting back on the good foot. Uh, Cleveland, Karis LeVert slowly working his way back into shape. He's a guy that needs to be rostered and held, and no other changes from that one. Denver, Washington, no real changes there either. Bones Highland has been scoring at a pretty good clip here lately. His efficiency's been very high. His minutes have been trending up, although blowouts have certainly had a part in this for Bones. Uh, I'm not adding him. I'm not. Uh, Denver's schedule has been decent enough, but they roll into a three-game week next time. They're every other day, basically, from now until the end of time. And uh, Michael Porter Jr. might be back by Sunday or Tuesday. That starts to cut into any of these guys' stuff. If Jamal Murray shows up at some point in there, it's just no reason. Schedule's not good enough to warrant a move on the Denver side with guys coming back. And frankly, as guys come back for the Nuggets, I don't think Will Barton becomes startable anymore if he even still is now. 
And with Washington, I know we got better stuff, but garbage time had a lot to do with it. Avdia, Hachimura, those guys did better. They were mixing and matching just to try anything to hang with the Nuggets. It wasn't working. KCP actually had a better ball game than the numbers might indicate. He missed two of his four free throws, and that kind of sagged it, but hit two threes, had two steals. He generally did the stuff we're good with. Porzingis missed some free throws, same kind of story. It's the same guys. There's three Ks there on that team. Chris Dapps, Kyle, and Contavious. Those are the guys I would start uh, on the Washington Wizards. By the way, don't ever talk about players with the letter K three times in a row. Lesson to be learned here midway through a podcast. We're going to go with uh, the last names from now on. Which, by the way, interesting footnote, last name acronym is Contavious Caldwell Pope's initials. Kuzma Caldwell Porzingis, KCP. Easy to remember. Here's something of note. First of all, it was good to see Emmanuel quickly bounce back for the Knicks. That was one I, I that on I don't remember if I said it on the podcast, but I definitely put it on social at Dan Vespers that I trusted him to bounce back because it really does seem like of all the guys on this team, he's the one that sort of won over Tom Thibodeau. Now this is a a, a gimme of a basketball game, but they got it. You know, when a tap in is a tap in, you tap it in. Shout out Happy Gilmore, just tap it in. But if there was any fear of quickly slowing down a little bit, he he put that to rest. He's also shown himself to be pretty good at getting to the free throw line, and he's good there. So that's helpful. Uh, we're seeing more assists, and with Derrick Rose out basically indefinitely, that has landed him back in good fortunes here. Evan Fournier warming back up a little bit. This might be an opportunity to potentially stream him until he cools off. But you also have to look at the opposition. Portland is very bad. They are attempting to lose basketball games. And they did so. Knicks have the Wizards tomorrow, Utah on Sunday. So the rest of the schedule this week is a little bit iffy. Kind of one good, one bad. Next week, they've got three pretty high-scoring games on the docket. So that might be your better opportunity if you wanted to take a plunge on New York. And they go five and seven games starting on Tuesday, just like the Warriors do. On the Portland side, Drew Eubanks had 10-9-5. and five. He's fine. Again, he's a low-end center. Josh Hart cooled off a little bit, but he remains a hold. Trendon Watford slid over to small forward with Justice Winslow back, and he was still fine, if unspectacular. I think we kind of knew this was going to be a tough one because the Knicks actually try to play defense. Brandon Williams, I think we can drop. Even with Portland's big schedule coming up, he's doing more damage than he's helping. They start a five-game and seven-night deal on Sunday. So again, you could kind of get out in front of that if you wanted to. I would rather start it on Sunday, if at all possible. Justice Winslow, Josh Hart, those guys very well might rest on the back-to-backs in that five-game and seven-night stretch, which makes guys like Trenton Watford actually much more interesting. Even Brandon Williams will get a ton of shots there. I am genuinely concerned that he doesn't know how to shoot free throws, so I I don't know that I can recommend that. He could ruin a category for you. But here's the other side. Chris Dunn looked really good in 28 minutes in this ballgame. If he plays 25 minutes or more tomorrow, Friday, I would add him in all formats for their big schedule coming up, particularly head-to-head, because we've seen over the years, if Dunn gets starters minutes, he is hyper elite in steals, like top 10 in the NBA steal rate type of guy. And on this terrible team, He'll get a chance to actually orchestrate a little bit. So you might see five, six, seven assists on a night-to-night basis. You do that five times in seven days, you know, that's a weak winner. 
If he drops in and gets you 10 steals in a week, well, five games, he might, yeah. I mean, he could get you 10 steals in five games. It's actually on the table for him. This is something I would look at a lot. And it's something I would look at for the end of this week also. Like, you know, maybe you don't pick him up on Friday tomorrow because that's an overload day. But if you have someone whose week is over after Saturday, maybe one of those Pistons we've been picking up, switch it over to Chris Dunn. Get yourself an assist and steals mega boost the last day of the week. Very much something to keep an eye on. And as Winslow's minutes ramp up, that's another thing to sort of put in the back of your head. Who really gets nailed there? It seems like it might be C.J. Elby. But we'll see. Because this one, he had a minutes cap around 20. I think they'll probably try to lift that quickly because he didn't miss that much time. A couple of weeks, was it? Two, three weeks for Justice. But they're going to go easy on him, so... Uh, he's not a must-roster guy. I, I, you know, He was so good before going down with the Achilles stuff, but they're going to be very gentle there. And he's going to need to get up into that 30-minute range to be fantasy-relevant. We've seen it before because the percentages are not good. So he kind of has to overwhelm those with rebounds, assists, steals, threes, things of that nature, which you know there ain't enough time to do that in 24 minutes on the floor. Dallas beat Brooklyn. Spencer Dinwiddie had himself... Uh, a nice ball game. Actually, all three of the guards did. Dinwiddie, Brunson, and Doncic. Dorian Finney-Smith cooled off a little bit. I think all four of those guys are holds for now. Obviously, Luca. <laughs> Sorry. We're going to talk about him. Luca's had an, a crazy strong second half to his season. D- can he start next year a little bit more like this? Maybe come into camp not rotund? Because good Luca is real good. Field goal percent's better. You know, Goran Dragic here, he might be startable in home games, which they have a couple more of. Uh, you can look at Brooklyn's schedule. They're very It's a pretty home-heavy list the rest of the way. They've got Portland tomorrow, Utah on Monday. They're on the road for two. And then they're home for three, four of their next five, I think six of the final nine, six of the final eight, something like that. So they're home a lot. I don't think Ben Simmons is showing up. Doesn't seem like he's playing this year, which, like, Brooklyn, yikes. Uh, Bruce Brown is a go. KD's obviously a go. Drummond is a go, much as I hate his his overall game, you know, 20-some-odd minutes a night. He can get you enough rebounds to, to be a fantasy player. Nick Claxton actually was much better than Drummond from a guarding the perimeter standpoint, from a protecting the rim standpoint, just not a rebounding side. That's it. So I do wonder... If there's any point where things flip in Brooklyn, hasn't happened yet. Claxton did have more minutes in this game, but he really does need basically full starters minutes to have fantasy value, and he didn't quite get all the way there. Dragic, to me, is the one that's closer. Between he and Claxton, he's closer to someone you'd have to consider. Of course, you know, streaming side, Brooklyn's done this week tomorrow. Then they've got a four-gamer next week with, again, two of those on the road. So this is very much like a... Would I pop Dragic in for one roto game against if we can find a bad defensive team? Maybe because they're playing they're playing Portland tomorrow. That's a game they should win easily. And if Dragic comes out there and takes sixteen shots, even with the fact that he has typically bad percentages and you know the steals and blocks are on the low side, he might be worthwhile on the roto front, especially if you're trying to make up games cap a one gamer out of Dragic. Then you just punt on him. You move on the next morning. <laughs> it's a fantasy one-night stand. 
Christmas. Make sure to take your clothes on the way out. Phoenix beat Houston 129-112. No Jay Crowder. I got to think he's back for the next one. This felt like a rest game. I know they gave it an injury tag, but this was a road game in Houston. They knew they were going to win it. They got Chicago at home tomorrow. They're in Sacramento, and they're off for a couple of days. Uh, but it is good, certainly for Phoenix, to know they've got a capable backup there in Torrey Craig, who came in and had a huge ball game, a perfect night, went perfecto, 8 of 8 from the field, 2 for 2 at the free throw line. Do you think that's happening again? I have this lovely bridge. And guess what? It's for sale. No changes on the Houston side. Christian Wood was not very good, so Opera and Shangun got to play a little bit more. It was also a blowout, so Shangun sees more minutes in those. Blah, blah, blah. Houston's been a train wreck for fantasy value pretty much the entire season. At least Jalen Green has been good since the All-Star break. Lakers! Man, is there anybody worse? They are the worst team in the NBA right now. I Say whatever you want. They're the worst team in the NBA. THT left early with an ankle injury. Would it have mattered? No. Melo missed some free throws. Otherwise, his game actually would have been fine. LeBron missed everything he took. Just maybe his worst game of the season. Yuck. The Austin Reeves five-game and seven-day stream has not really worked out. The goofy thing about Reeves, his plus-minus in this game... Zero. He was break-even when he was on the floor. He left the game when it was basically tied after the first seven minutes, and then when he came back, the Lakers were down almost 20. I don't think he played the rest of the first half. It was really weird. The rotations were straight dumb. But I also, it sort of doesn't matter. No matter what the Lakers are throwing at anybody, they're losing, and they're losing bad. You can stick with the same guys, LeBron, obviously, Melo, and Monk. Those are your guys in Roto. Uh, on the head-to-head side, the Lakers have a back-to-back coming up, so you might as well just stick with it here for a couple more days, and then you can move on from them. The easy call on Sunday. That's a, you know, whatever non... If it's not one of those three guys I just listed, then you almost definitely should move on. Patrick Beverly's on him a little bit of a run these days. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt back into the, into the mix a bit. Only 25 minutes, although, again, it was a blowout, so would he have played more down the stretch? I don't know. They like to go Tordy and Prince to spread the floor a little bit. You know, this is something that happened last year, and then it seemed like it went away. You guys remember towards the end of last season, I had a lot of folks yelling at me that Jared Vanderbilt was sort of like the fix in Minnesota, and then I watched a few uh, Wolves games, and I said, this isn't right. He and Cat can't really be on the floor at the same team at the same time excuse me and it seemed like that sorted itself out a little bit this year when Vanderbilt was going mega high energy now it seems like they really do value the spacing a little bit more Jaden McDaniels was playing a bunch before he got hurt Torian Prince is playing a bunch so I don't know that Vanderbilt's ever going to get back up into that 30 minute range where he was first two and a half three months of this season that said With no McDaniels, I don't know how he plays less than 25, 26 minutes a night. And so that should probably be enough on the Roto side. Head-to-head, Minnesota's schedule is not great. They do have four games next week, but it was three this, and then three the week after that, and three the final week. So, meh. It's not exciting enough, really, for me, unless you're chasing rebounds and steals from a forward spot and nothing else. Spurs beat the Thunder in a high-scoring game, which has kind of been the case for San Antonio. Not so much the wins, but certainly the points. Josh Richardson, 
who's been filling in for Doug McDermott for a couple of games. He had a really bad one, and then he had a really good one. And so I got a bunch of Richardson questions. I, I'm not adding him. I know I, I put him on my watch list a couple days ago, and then he came out and just laid a serious dud. Basically because I, I don't think the Spurs are promising him starters minutes on a night-to-night basis. If he's playing well, they'll leave him out there. But if he's not, they don't have to. I don't. I can't trust that, especially on the Roto side. Head-to-head, at least they had a four-game week, but then they roll into a two-game week next time around. So head-to-head, there's no case to be made for Richardson. Roto, there's a small one, but I would leave it alone. And then with OKC, Isaiah Roby started, but only got to play seven minutes per half. I don't know what's going on. They really, really, really want to lose these basketball games. If, if they really did, they should just bench Shea, but he's playing right now. Baisley's playing as well. Those two guys are starts because they're the last men standing. Pokashevsky's close. This was a better ball game. But there's always that the specter of the missed free throws, the missed shots. He really still, to me, profiles more as a dynasty guy than someone that needs to be rostered the rest of this season. Utah beat Chicago. Alex Caruso's having some trouble finding his form here. He's a hold in Roto. He's a drop in head-to-head because their schedule stinks. Dasunmu, who uh, we'll, we'll talk about Chicago more when we get into the streaming stuff. I think you hold on to him probably for tomorrow's stuff if he's going to make your, your overload roster. And then, honestly, I don't know. They're off for two days. You might need to get someone that plays over the weekend. But again, you know, the thing about the weekend is... When you're deciding who to dump, the only reason to dump someone like Nasuma would be if you did it today. Don't drop him on Saturday because there's probably guys on your team that are worse that only play, that play Saturday, and you could just drop them on Sunday. And so you end up getting the same number of bonus games that way, right? So if you only have one move to use, you could drop Nasuma on after his game on Friday, and then you can pick from any team in the NBA, pretty much. Or you just wait one more day. If there's someone you'd rather drop, you just drop them after they play on Saturday. Like if you have a piston that you've been streaming, say you've been streaming Killian Hayes, to me it'd be an easier call drop Killian Hayes on Sunday as opposed to Desumo on Saturday. Either way, you gain one game with that roster move and one way you keep the guy that you're probably happier to have on your team, which is Io. Fantasy-wise, there really wasn't anything else in this ballgame. Milwaukee came back, beat Sacramento. Another high-scoring game there. Brooke Lopez, 15 minutes. We'll sort of keep one eye on that. Bobby Portis bounced back, not surprisingly. Sacramento, we've got an eye on Dante DiVincenzo. That's two games in a row he's been better. Justin Holiday played, but wasn't very good. I don't think I have the, the, the stones to start DiVincenzo in a roto format yet, and Sacramento has a two-game week coming up, so head-to-head-wise, you also can't really do anything with them. They're same, basically the same exact schedule as San Antonio. They roll from a four-gamer every other day into a two-gamer. If this keeps up for Dante, like if he plays close to 30 minutes again tomorrow in their game against Boston, I would add him in Roto, even with the bad schedule. Because starters' minutes in that offense, where they're just going to go buck wild and not defend anybody, it's worth it. Not adding Davion Mitchell. I know that he also played 30 minutes. His game, to me, is less trustworthy. Barnes has slowed. I don't know why he's not taking any shots, but he isn't right now. But he's a hold. And then Fox and Sabonis are the sort of easy ones. Trey Lyles played 33 minutes. Yeah, nah, nah. He's generally been in that 24-minute range for them, so uh, pass. We talked Boston-Golden State already. Last game on the docket from yesterday. Toronto 
in L.A. to take on the Clippers. Clippers had a three-pointer at the end of the ballgame to try to tie. Marcus Morris couldn't get it to go down. Fun game, though. No big surprises. Van Vliet played, so Chris Boucher was not a fantasy option. It's just uh, it's the funniest thing that a, a point guard starting directly impacts a center, but you know that's how it is for Toronto. That's how it is in the NBA these days. And on the Clippers' side, Ivica Zubats had an off game. They ended up going small for the most part. Isaiah Hartenstein did play about 25 minutes of center because he can defend the perimeter a little bit more, but he wasn't very good. I'm not changing the way I look at that. I still think Zubats is the more trustworthy center on that team. Reggie Jackson you can trust. Missed some free throws, otherwise this this game would have logged as a better performance. Rob Covington back. You can go back to trusting him again. He's just been racking up defensive stats in 22 minutes a game. Uh, and Marcus Morris, I think, is officially on the trust list these days. Terrence Mann had a good ball game, but he came off the bench, and we've seen the way his minutes have been bouncing around. So, no, he's not on my trust list. And that is your viciously fast run through the very large Wednesday card. Hey, uh, reminder to check out all of our partners here on Fantasy NBA Today. Uh, big deal. Hey, um, it's March, so March Madness Actually, I think we were officially out of time now to fill out that MyBookie bracket, but whatever. Still go over there. Promo code in MyBookie is HoopBall. You can unlock some various deposit bonuses when you start betting with them over there at MyBookie.ag. Manscaped.com, promo code Ethos20 or HoopBall20. I believe they both work. 20% off free shipping on your order. Ethos is the password at Thrive Fantasy. If you want to start winning some money over there, awesome bonus, 100% deposit match, and two $20 nightly contest entry tickets, uh, and expressvpn.com slash hoopball is the specialty link. It's not a code. It's an actual URL you you dig into, uh, and those are our four partners here on Fantasy NBA Today. But again, what I really want from you guys this time of year are the five-star reviews. That's what I really want. You want to make me happy? My birthday's in June, but if you want to give me an early birth- birthday present, that's the one you got to do. All right, streaming streaming we talked at well i wouldn't say needlessly long it was needed very long length on yesterday's podcast about what a critical day thursday is today and today we'll cover thursday and friday now for those of you that missed yesterday's show the main point was this is thursday's kind of your last chance to rectify any mistakes you might have made on tuesday either Generally, I would say by probably under-moving on Tuesday. And I thought about it after I put out yesterday's podcast. One of the things I didn't mention was if you wanted to just be maybe a hair more safe with your roster moves. But let me circle back and and you'll see how this all fits together. What I said on yesterday's podcast was, first of all, I, I didn't want anybody to make moves on Wednesday because generally, you guys, we all were in overload mode. If you were one of the very rare people who wasn't, fine. You could make an adjustment at that point. But I would say a good 90 to 95% of teams were in overload mode on Wednesday and will be again tomorrow. But we'll get to tomorrow in a minute. On yesterday's podcast, we then talked about today, streaming on Thursday. And my thought was, number one, there were basically four teams where you could look at today as an opportunity still to make a move. The Brooklyn Nets, who are done 
on Friday, the Bulls, who are done on Friday, the Clippers, who are done on Friday and then basically done until like two weeks from now, and the Heat, who had a terrible schedule anyway, so you probably didn't have any of them on your team to begin with. So it was really the Clippers, the Bulls, and the Nets as teams that play on Friday but don't play over the weekend. The reason you look at maybe making a move today to abandon ship on one of those teams is basically, here's the calculus. If those guys, if a guy on the Nets, the Bulls, or the Clippers on your team is not in your overload lineup tomorrow on Friday, that basically means you're dropping someone who isn't playing for you the rest of the week in favor of someone on Detroit or Orlando, the only two teams that play tonight that will play twice. So you would be gaining two moves by moving off of a net, a bull, or a clipper. It's weird to say team names that aren't singular as singular, but we got through it. The other part of the calculus, and this is one of two things I failed to mention on yesterday's podcast that hit me afterwards, was what do you do if the net, the bull, or the clipper is someone that is set to be in your overload lineup on Friday? Then the calculus becomes, well... Switching them for a Piston or a Magic gains you one game for sure and then also would gain you a second game minus the difference, follow me on this, this is weird, between the player you drop, the net, clipper, or bull, and the player that moves into your your overload lineup to replace them. For example, let's say you have... Ayo Desunmu on the Bulls, who's someone who's been pretty good lately, but not great. That one feels like a pretty easy decision. But what if you're sitting on someone like Marcus Morris, who's actually been pretty good for the Clippers lately? Or let's make it even harder. Let's say it's Reggie Jackson. Now we've made it really complicated. Let's say Reggie Jackson is the guy you're looking at. He's been great. He's been playing 40 minutes a night. He's been putting up 20 points and 7 or 8 assists. He's been doing more than that lately. He's going to probably be in your overload lineup tomorrow. But that's the end of his week. And you could make a move now to potentially gain two games or a game if if he was a guy that's in your lineup. Here's why making a move now instead of Saturday is actually relevant. You could make a move on Saturday, and you'd get that game out of Reggie Jackson, but if you have someone on your bench on Overload Friday, that person becomes useless. That person is nothing to your team. So here's the math equation on this. If you dropped Reggie Jackson in favor of, I don't know, who do you want to pick up today? Jeremy Grant is questionable, so maybe he doesn't play. So maybe you're looking at, like, Kelly Olynyk. And Grant probably plays on Saturday, but let's 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 assume he doesn't play tonight and he does on Saturday. It doesn't really matter. Detroit is they're in tank mode anyway, so anything could happen. You get two games out of Kelly Olynyk, zero games out of Reggie Jackson, but you actually get one game out of the guy who replaces Reggie Jackson in your overload lineup. I don't know who your overload guy is. Maybe it's Alex Caruso who hasn't been very good the last couple of ball games. So when you look at that, you're like, ooh, that, you know, that stinks because Caruso was pretty good his first game back and he's been terrible the next two. What is the difference between Reggie Jackson and Alex Caruso? And you basically subtract that 
from Kelly Olynyk's two-game bucket. Because you're actually getting two Olynyk games and one game out of Caruso, as opposed to just one game out of Reggie Jackson. Okay? So, it's a different, it's a different monster. You're getting three games instead of one. And you're bound to win that. The question is by how much. So in that instance, if Caruso's the guy you're dropping in to replace Reggie Jackson, and on Friday, let's say hypothetically, Reggie goes out and you know basically does what he's been doing lately, which is basically like 20 points and 7 assists with two three-pointers, the guy you drop in his place goes for 9 points, 3 assists, a steal, and a three-pointer. You actually gained a steal in that equation, but you're down 10 points, you're down three assists, you're down one three-pointer. So that's what you lost on Friday. You didn't lose the full Reggie Jackson game. You lost the Reggie Jackson game minus whoever you dropped into your lineup to replace him, plus the two games you get out of Kelly Olynyk. as opposed to if you just stuck it out, you'd get that one Reggie Jackson game, and then you get one game out of Kelly Olynyk. So basically, at that point, you're making a decision between, do you want Reggie Jackson, one game of Reggie, and one game of Olenek, or two games of Olenek, one game of replacement guy, minus Reggie Jackson, effectively. It's not minus that, like, you don't actually do the minus in your calculation, but you're trying to figure out how much you gain by making this move. So what I would say is, if your replacement level guy is fairly useful if it's more like Ayo Dasunmu, the first guy we mentioned he went for 15 points six assists couple of threes in the Bulls game on Wednesday if he does something similar to that the drop-off from Reggie to Dasunmu is really small five points one or two assists probably negative one defensive stats Dasunmu is probably going to outdo him on the defensive side of the ball so you're actually gaining in that part of the equation can does the second Kelly Olynyk game beat that difference? Does Kelly get more than five points, you know, two assists and a three-pointer in this game on Saturday? Because if so, now you've not only added his game on tonight, but you've also added whatever he gets over that difference. I know it's really hard to visualize, but I hope you guys are coming with me on this. So you're not really adding a full two games to your ledger because you're taking away one of your better players and replacing it with somebody worse. You're adding more like 1.4 games to your ledger instead of the full two. So that's another reason why maybe you could consider making a move today to abandon ship on someone who plays only tomorrow and then is done for the rest of the week. Because at that point, you get three games versus one. It's very hard to lose out on three games versus one. But at the same time, let's say you wait on Reggie Jackson. You make a, a move to a different guy on Saturday. Maybe it's now Reggie, one game of Reggie plus one game of bleh, insert somebody who plays on Saturday. I don't know who that, who, who that actually might be right now. Just, you know, pick a, pick a name out of the sky. Who goes on Saturday this week? I don't I. Here, I can pull it up. I'm talking about it right now. Dallas goes on Saturday. Cleveland, uh, Charlotte. We've already talked about Detroit. The Lakers go on Saturday. Uh, Minnesota, Milwaukee, and the Wizards. 
I mean, the options there are not all that uh, delightful. But let's say Mason Plumley might be floating on your wire. Um, Isaac Okoro's actually been playing kind of well lately. Dallas might have somebody. Dwight Powell. I've already talked about Detroit plenty. Lakers have been bad, but like, what if THT? Maybe he's something. Does Does LeBron rest one of those, one of those upcoming games? He might. Long road trip. Lakers are terrible. Blah blah blah. Or here's the other part of it. It doesn't have to be for someone on Saturday. You're probably going to drop your Clippers Saturday. But it could be for somebody to play Saturday or Sunday. Because either way, you're only getting one game out of that. Nobody goes back-to-back over the weekend, or you would go to that team. So you pretty much can pick any team in the NBA, minus the four that we just talked about. Brooklyn, Chicago, the Clippers, and the Heat. The other 26 teams are in play. So you can basically stream anyone. So now you're talking about Reggie Jackson plus... Whoever the best player is on the wire from those 26 teams, you can just go and look at what guys have been doing the last 14 days, and you can say, okay, well, you know, Mason Plumlee's been pretty good, actually, over the last 14 days. Jared Vanderbilt's on a lot of wires. He came back, got a couple of steals in their game. He plays on Saturday, and Jaden McDaniels is out. So that's the other part of it. And it's why on yesterday's show, I said I didn't really feel like making a move today was going to be all that super useful unless you were covering up for something. So the reasons that I mentioned on yesterday's podcast, and I'll repeat them. Reason number one is one I can't argue with. If someone on your team got hurt and is set to give you zeros, however many there might be the rest of the week, that guy's got to go, and you can make a move today to probably maximize games played. Because the guy that got you a zero was probably going to go tomorrow on overload day, And so dropping them doesn't really hurt you tomorrow. It might have hurt you on, like, Sunday. But it also, making move today, gives you the opportunity to get two games from someone as opposed to one for one. Basically, whoever you drop was going to only give you... Well, you were going to play them for two, but now you can replace them with somebody on Friday. So you're only... You could actually gain a game played despite the fact that someone on your team got hurt. That's kind of a nice little footnote. Usually you lose games when somebody gets hurt. You can make a move here and you can actually salvage some stuff. The other reason would be if you have an overload player that isn't very good, meaning they didn't make your top 10 to start anyway, so they would only be getting one game the rest of the week. If your overload player is on the Clippers, the Bulls, the Nets, or the uh, Heat, then this is a very easy decision. Like, if your overload player is Alex Caruso, drop him for someone who plays today and Saturday because you're going from zero games to two. That's an easy one. But if if your overload player is on a team that goes two times, Friday and either Saturday or Sunday, you're dropping that player for someone today, that goes twice. So you gain one game there as opposed... And that's generally worthwhile. I know we've talked on this show about how you really want to gain two games when you make a roster move. And that's why that's something you should have done on Tuesday. So Thursday, tonight, tonight's the makeup day. You can still have an opportunity to make some moves for an overload player and gain a game played. Or you take the alternate route, which is what we were talking about with someone like Reggie Jackson, where after they play on Friday, then you make the move to someone else. Or... 
if you have some players on your team that go Saturday as their last game of the week, and there's plenty of teams that are that. Charlotte, last game of the week is Saturday. Cleveland, Dallas, Detroit, Lakers. There's all these teams we just talked about a minute ago, so there's nothing new there. Wizards, Bucks, and Wolves. If you have someone on those teams that's maybe just a little better than fringe level, you can move off of them for, to someone who plays on Sunday. So there's actually a lot of ways between now and the end of the weekend to gain one game played with your roster move. The only real ways left to gain two, potentially, is those teams that are done after tomorrow. If you have someone on those teams that either... I mean, it really, they could be an overload player or they could be a starter tomorrow, and either way, you're gaining two games played there. But is it really a full two? Like we talked about, there's sort of this, like, the downgrade of whoever you're dropping. So it's more like 1.4. That's your best situation for gaining games played. And it's why I talked about it so long on Tuesday's show. I know it was super annoying, and I was, I, I, like, I just kept beating that dead horse. But I kept saying, look, this is the day. Tuesday and Saturday or Sunday, the, like the weekend is kind of a combo day, depending on when your guys are done playing for the week. Tuesday and the weekend are the two times to make roster moves this week. It's weird to think of it that way, but that's what Tuesday was. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, again, tomorrow, don't do anything. I mean, that's the other part of the streaming thing. Don't do something on Friday, uh, barring an injury. Same deal as Wednesday. Easy one. Reminder again, please do drop that five-star review on the podcast. This means the world to me. I'm going to ask you on every single show between now and the end of the year. The season, I guess, not the year. But, you know, I do these pushes every once in a while. Please grab your loved one's phone, rate and review the pod on that, drop that five-star on it. It, again, really helps us as we roll towards next season, and we're starting to look ahead. Reminder, everybody, that those are listening to this show right now, we do shows the whole offseason. You can get your NBA fix with us here on Fantasy NBA Today. Going to start reminding you guys that uh, of that as well. Follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. If you don't already, I'm guessing most of you do. I'm trying to get that into sweet equilibrium. All Twitter followers come to the pod. All pod listeners go to the Twitter. Together, we'll have pretty damn good fantasy seasons. At Dan Bespers or Google Dan from Hoopball. Thank you, as always, once again to our sponsors and our listeners. Back at it tomorrow. Typical show coming up uh, on Thursday. Uh, what the hell is today? Friday. No, I got that wrong. Uh, tomorrow, Friday, we're going to be looking into the weekend and towards the long stream into next week which is probably the second round of your playoffs, but might actually be your finals. And we got two more weeks of stream discussion before we pivot back hard into any Roto stuff. And of course, still sprinkling that in. Remember, we do schedule streamers. That's for playoff folks. And we do opportunity streamers. That's for Roto folks. Easy peasy. Have a great Thursday, everybody. We will talk to you, at you, whatever it might be tomorrow. So long, everybody.